welcome Bert Gang on today's show. Well, we've known for a while now the Cardinals will play in Mexico City this season. What we didn't know was the opponents or when. Now we do. It is officially official. All the details ahead, plus a special guest will be joining us. But before that, what DeAndre Hopkins had to say about missing the first six games of the season. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 562, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Give credit to DeAndre Hopkins for owning up to his mistake. Yet this is very different from an injury, MJ. Players don't have control of injuries. They do have control of what they put in their bodies. So I understand the apology that Hopkins released on social media. At the same time, I'm not going to fault anyone for being upset, certainly the fan base, because now all of a sudden your number one offensive weapon, the number one wide receiver, one of the best wide receivers in all of the National Football League, is out for a third of the season. Yeah, and, you know, I've talked to a couple of players. I mean, he feels awful, and he's taken responsibility for it. He has to, um, you know, he's been a you know a good uh, guy in the locker room and really obviously, you know, embracing the community, but he made a huge mistake, and I'm sure he feels awful about it. And, you know, there's one thing about DeAndre Hopkins. He doesn't miss games. And last year he's coming off an injury. Now, if there was a silver lining – and we know this team struggled when he was not on the field. When he was on the field with Kyler Murray, they were 8-2. and two. And, and maybe Colt McCoy got one of those wins. But when he was out there, 8-2. and two. So they'll have plenty of time to figure this out. But I'd rather have it the first six games than the last six games when we wake up in the month of December and something's happened here. So, again, there's really no um, way to sugarcoat it. Uh, I mean, the great career he's had. Um, there's going to be one little paragraph in there, and it's going to be a stain. And he realizes that, and I'm sure, again, it um, wasn't a mistake. You control what goes into your body. Hopkins released this statement on May 2nd, several hours after it was announced by the NFL that he was going to miss the first six games of the regular season without pay for violating the league's PED policy. He tweeted, see you week seven. Then he added this, a statement that read in part, to learn that my November test came back with trace elements of a banned substance, I was confused and shocked. And then he explained how careful he has been, but then added this. Even as careful as I have been, clearly I wasn't careful enough. For that, I apologize to Cardinals fans, my teammates, and the entire Cardinals organization. I never want to let my team down. I fully intend to get to the bottom of this. As soon as I have more information, I will share it. So... Quite the different approach from a couple of years back when Patrick Peterson was suspended, yet at the same time, all right, now here we are in the month of May. To your point, all right, we now know, okay, now what do you do in the months leading up to week one through week six when you know number 10 is not going to be on the football field? Well, I think, you know, we've talked about it. I know Wolf's talked about it more about Kyler being under center, but I got to think, you know, we don't know the situation with Max Williams, and so I, I gotta think we're going to see some 12 personnel. Um, we'll see how the offensive line shakes out. I mean, you're gonna they're going to have competition at right guard. Would, would it surprise anybody if one of these rookies won that job? I, obviously, Will Hernandez is going to get the opportunity. I look at Josh Jones. So, yeah, I mean, it's – but, again, it, they couldn't figure it out, and Kingsbury admitted that he didn't make enough adjustments. Well, you got the entire offseason, and they've had a deep dive on why things are happening in the end of the year. A lot of it's injuries, but also teams catch up to the offense, and they haven't made adjustments. So it's, it's all out there. Um, but but I, I got to think, you know, you're going to try to run the football. Um, if you can get uh, Hollywood Brown open in the open field, I mean, we know Kyle is very accurate, uh, much more accurate than Lamar Jackson. You're just going to have to survive, and we don't know the first six games. Once the schedule comes out, you start looking at it. You, you don't want to see this team get off to a rough start where they're 2-4. and four. You, you want to be 4-2, and 5-1, and one, you know, or you know, obviously playing good football. So it's going to be interesting just how it affects them. But to me, there should be no excuses. You have plenty of time between now and the season. This just didn't happen the day before the season. 
a full off season now with Zach Ertz, a full off season with Marquise Brown. Two pieces: one, Ertz mid season acquisition, but two pieces that this offense did not have for a full off season, knowing that you were going to be missing DeAndre Hopkins. Now. Again, not an excuse, but if you're looking for a silver lining, I think we just gave you one in the fact that you have several months to figure it out. To your point, no excuses, zero, none. You figure it out. Teams do it all the time when an injury happens at a moment's notice. (laughs) This isn't a moment's notice. This team has known about it. How long? My guess is ahead of the draft, maybe part of the reason, large part perhaps, on why the trigger was pulled for Marquise Brown. But at what point in the offseason did they know? Did they know during the regular season? Player can certainly let the team know. They don't have to. But once that appeal was dropped, according to reports, that's why this all became public here in May. I mean, really, it's it's between the, the NFLPA, because I've dealt with this with Daryl Washington for years years and it's and and then it's it's the league the the team really isn't involved i mean that's that's why they have the cba and that's why they have their bylaws and and, and when you get popped for this there there's it, it could have been eight games but not based on the, the way they're, they're structured now it's six games and that's a good thing um but again that yeah that at some point the team you, you would think hop at some point has to keep him in the know. Don't know that, but I just you would hope you he's, would, he's a straight yeah. shooter. He signed an extension. He knows that this team's relying on him. So yeah, but really, it's it's the players' association and the league, and then the player. Really, the team is not involved. Sometimes you don't know until the very end, unless the player tells you. And I would think the relationship that he has with Steve Kime, he doesn't have an agent. He got the contract extension. He negotiated. I would think that they had that conversation at some point. Now we just need to figure out which six games does D-Hop miss. How many division games does he miss? The good news is he will not miss at least one of the two matchups against the San Francisco 49ers. It is official. The game the Cardinals have scheduled in Mexico City will be against the 49ers on Monday Night Football, November 21st. That is week 11. Second time the Cardinals play a regular season game south of the border. Remember, in 2005, they played the NFL's first ever regular season game outside the United States. The atmosphere, unbelievable. In fact, here's a clip from season one of Cardinals Folktales titled One Time in Mexico. We have 103,467 on hand, an NFL regular season record. Wow. How about that for a number? I wish everybody can feel what 100,000 people feel like on the field. Like you're on the field and 100,000 people are watching you. It's just different, man. That's former Cardinal safety Robert Griffith. All the players knew the fans were going to be a factor El Grande. Former Pro Bowl pass rusher, Bertrand Berry. It really was a different energy where the fans were going nuts the entire time, whether something good happened for us or something bad happened for us. I just remember the crowd just yelling no matter what. They just wanted to see us go out there and and play. I just remember it being loud the entire game in a good way that people were so excited that there was an NFL game going on. In a general sense, they were just rooting for something big to happen every play. It, it felt like a big party. <laughs> it felt like a big party. The people there were just hungry to be a part of that first regular season game outside the U.S. That last voice you heard was Rolando Cantu, former Cardinals offensive lineman, current Cardinals manager of International Business Ventures, and the man joins us now. Welcome, sir. Craig, this is wonderful. I mean, I've gotten an invite uh, here and there, but, you know, it's the offseason, this draft. Mike's here. What else can we ask for? Man, this is the offseason, full speed ahead. Lots of news coming in. Mexico City, you know, the draft, a lot of things to talk about. All right, you brought it up. The NFL is returning to Mexico for the first time since 2019. How excited are you personally? Monday night football. I love it, man. This is a premier game for the league. We know they're traveling overseas or doing up in Europe and Mexico. Just the the fan base. It's second to the NFL. It's the largest fan base there is for the NFL, and they cater to it. And I think with us being slotted in a couple years back, Craig, and not going because of, of the pandemic and COVID and all that, the restrictions have been lifted. 
Mexico is full, fully operated. And I think with the second visit of the Cardinals at Estadio Azteca, which is a monumental stadium, a lot of history there, this is going to be a great game. Now, when you go back, and, and obviously the, the game is uh, much more popular now. I mean, usually when you see these games that are played internationally, everyone has a different jersey. But how different will it be for the fan base now that, you know, they're playing a division opponent in the San Francisco 49ers? They have a following. So how do you anticipate when the fans show up? Great question, Mike. I expect a lot of Cardinal red. And I know we're playing the 49ers, and they're they're also red and gold. But – we saw this now with our draft uh, week in Mexico City. We saw a lot of fans that traveled around the city. They went to the north side to the mall and, and caught Will Hernandez and the cheerleaders and then went to the, the south part of the city as well for another appearance. So these fans are eager just to get a hold of whatever NFL event there is. So I anticipate uh, night and day from 2005 to right now. I mean, back then we had no social media. I mean, it was it was print. You remember the print? The newspaper article was huge. The TV coverage was kind of a Super Bowl environment. Now it's digital. It's social media. It's instantly. And I think that connection now with our fans will be a lot more accessible. And I really think the Bird Gang Mexico is going to show up to this game. You bring up print. No social media. You're dating ourselves here. On- hey, don't get me wrong, Craig. It was, I was there too, and, and you know we're kind of in the same bubble as three. But That's you're true. right. You're right. It, it it's it's different now. It's different. We saw it in this past uh, you know activations that we did in Mexico City. We announced day three picks from uh, uh, Centro Deportivo Chapultepec, which is an awesome area. They they just hosted us in a great way. You have put in your so much of your own time and energy into this, whether it's football camps for kids or it's for business as well. The level of popularity in the National Football League from 2005, fast forward to 2022, can you put it into words on knowledge? Now, Neil Rackers in 2005 was next to you, maybe the most popular player in that game. So knowledge and then just the understanding of the game and the fan base overall and how excited they are to see teams. Of course, Craig, it starts with TV. There's three major networks, Televisa, Fox Sports, and ESPN that run weekly games in Mexico City. So the regular Dabit fan that follows all the websites of their of their, their home teams as or the teams they choose to follow, they also follow the entire calendar of week one through the playoffs and Super Bowl, just like our fans here in the U.S. So that has grown a lot. And I think with the NFL securing the the, the broadcasting deals with these big uh, television uh, networks, it just makes sense for the fan base to eventually, you know, grow and grow and grow. And I think what they're doing now, uh, not only year-round content is great in the U.S., but it happens in Mexico too. That is a big difference. Back then, 04, 05, when I was playing, it was, okay, season's here. Let's talk about the season. Season's gone. Well, let's sprinkle in a little bit of draft. Now it's continuously coverage of the way the NFL is used to being covered from general market uh, stations. They just adapted the same game plan in Mexico. You were right, Craig. Neil Rackers kicked uh, career best six field goals in that game, and, and obviously when the punts and field goals, they get excited. Now, I went back and read a story from Josh McCown. Talk about the altitude. Now, assuming if it's on a Monday night, Cardinals will do a normal week, possibly leave on a Saturday. Well, I guess we'll figure all the details when we get it. But he said that the ball was sailing in that first quarter. Talk about the altitude and how do you prepare for that? Oh, I remember Neil uh, kicking field goals that year up in, in Flagstaff, and you know he loves the altitude because you know, that ball goes, right? Makes a kicker look really good anytime you play in, in altitude. And when we got slotted into the Mexico City game, he immediately like, bro, this is the elevation is higher than than Flagstaff. I said, yeah, you're going to be able to, you know, go at this, and he did. And he rem- he, I took him to a kids camp, Carnal Kids Camp, alumni kids camp last year in Mexico City, and he walks in, of course, to you know the media and says, well, I've, I've already kicked in Mexico. Like I'm the I'm the kicker king here, right? So you know, Neil has a great personality. He really enjoyed you know uh, displaying his his leg out there. You know, a powerful leg, and obviously the ball goes, man. The ball goes. So I think. Just from a 
from an altitude standpoint, from an athlete standpoint, you have to make sure you have wind. I remember as a former player, we'd be here in the summer, we'd run, you know, OTAs here, and we'd run, you know, our, our volunteer workouts. And then once you move up to Flagstaff, man, you thought you were in shape. Watch that flex. Those first 15 minutes, you're like huffing and puffing, and then you kind of play your way into it. So now I think, you know, the logistics going to be very important, Mike. I think for the team, knowing the elevation, the altitude, it has to be done right, and I think uh, football operations really has a, a big grasp on that. Yeah, Maybe uh, Matt Prater will kick a, like a 70-yard field goal. <laughs> hey, that's that – really hydration, though, right? It, oh, it's hydration. You know, it's the way your body adapts, and, and Prater, I think Prater can do it. You're right. Man. If, if we see Prater knocking <laughs> 70-yarders in the in the pregame, I think Coach is going to let him have one. I would. Might as well. I mean, Let it ride. how many times, how many opportunities do you get that kind of an opportunity? Again, it was 2005. Cardinals beat the 49ers 31-14, to the league's first regular season game held outside of the U.S. A then-record crowd of 103,467 at Estadio Azteca. What is that stadium now? I mean, how the improvements and we expecting over a hundred thousand again? Oh yeah. Okay. That, that one hundred and three is is kind of what I've heard on the on the back channels, Craig, was towards like the hundred and five, hundred and six range because your your private suite in Mexico City is privately owned, so you can invite your entire block <laughs> if you want, right? So yeah, there is sixteen, eighteen seats to the suite. But there's 40, 50 people, you know, back there partying, watching the NFL game. So it, 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 it does get great. I did have an opportunity to go and catch the USA-Mexico match, uh, qualifying match a couple um, like a month ago. And, uh, man, they've, they've really upscaled the entire suite level. Hospitality looks great. The stadium looks amazing. They had some field issues a couple of years back. Remember those yep. Monday nights and everybody was timing in like, oh, the field grass and – They've done an excellent job in, in in bringing up to scale, up to the NFL standards, Estadio Azteca, and I think they're also doing it because the World Cup's going to be there in a couple of years, so that's going to hit as well. That's pushed up everything that from, from construction. And from when, I, when we played there back in 05 to now, it's night and day. There's locker rooms now. There's official locker rooms where you can lock your stuff up and, you know, you have Wi-Fi and all the perks that you see in the NFL. By the way, some history will be made in that game as well on November 21st. Andy Lee, then with the 49ers, played in that game in 2005, his second year in the league, punted seven times. Yes, I did the research. Averaged 47 yards a punt. Fast forward now, 2022. He'll be playing in that game opposite the 49ers but wearing a Cardinals uniform. Andeli is already a big star in Mexico. Anybody who kicks the ball, Mike, is is the guy, right? You know yeah. this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a great stat right there. I mean, I, I had I, now that you read it, Craig, it makes a lot of sense. He'll probably get a lot of media buzz because of that. And yeah, he's lasted that long, right? You know, a guy who has a great great career and and has done things at a high level consistently. That's why you mean you know, you're there 18, 20 years in the NFL. So I think Andy's gonna have. A lot of fun. Also, a guy is going to benefit from the altitude, from the elevation up in Mexico City. And I'm sure he's got some insight because he already kicked there. So I'm sure special teams going to be in his ear every, every single week. He was in the same draft class with Larry Fitzgerald. They went 04. to the same school. Yep. And now he's he's outlasted Larry. Obviously, punters, long snappers, and kickers can play to their 40. Position players, unless you're Brady, uh, you start hitting that 17th, that 18th season. It's difficult. Yeah, it is. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's punters. You know, it's special teamers. <laughs> they take care of their body in a different way. It's The wear and tear is different, and I get it. You sure. know, they have to be up there. But, but you know, there's so much experience but there. But you know this. You, you've you been on, uh, you know, extra points and field goals. The only time we talk about special teams is something goes. And Cardinals, you can make the case they almost well, – they lost two games last year because you didn't have the right holder. Andy Lee was out. You're right. Colt McCoy. And then obviously the Harlow, and then you didn't have Aaron Brewer. Two games. Nobody talks about it until something goes wrong. And, and we talked about it those weeks. Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> a lot. Oh, we did too. Oh, Andy, Andy's going to be fine. I think you know with his experience, and yeah. and, and everybody's going to question. Everybody is questions is a player that's up in their in their upper thirties, right? You're like, okay, so when is this guy going to quit? When is it? When is it over? But I think with all this experience that he's developed throughout the years consistently, I mean, he's still a big leg. In the, he's considered a big leg, Craig, in the NFL. Elevation just helps out a little bit more. I mean, he's going to be fine. Well, the fact that he said he averaged 
over 47 yards. I mean, a couple of years ago, he was a weapon for this team, yep. pinning teams in the in the t- inside the 20. And sometimes the way it's kind of reminds me of a golfer, where sometimes the ball would bounce at the two or three yard line and come back to the five yard line. And we know that Jeff Rogers puts a premium on his special teams player to go down there and make sure you don't let that team touch the ball. That's a game changer right there. You have that field position. You have a kicker, a punter that that knows how to place that ball, how to lay it down. That's important to a team. So the kicker, the punter, certainly will garner a lot of attention. What about Will Hernandez? Oh, my. Will's from Mexico City. His family's from Mexico City. He just did the promo tour with for the draft week with, with our marketing staff and Javi and Felipe and, and all those guys who did an incredible job the entire week. And it was his first time going back as a professional. And, and just he's so proud of his heritage. He's so proud that his parents are originally from Mexico City. And you saw that connection. Will was – Grabbing the he, – he he walked into the sports bar, beer factory out there in, in Mundo A, which is a big mall in the northern part of, of Mexico City, and ran into the, the the restaurant with the flag coming in, like if he was running out of, out of a tunnel. So it just pumped up the crowd. People were there like, okay, let's start the party. Let's start – Will's here. I mean, he, he's really – the the man you need for uh, an event like this, and obviously he got here because of his of his football skills and because of the connection with Kugler, and now in in a one year deal, I think he's going to be a rock solid guy for that offensive line. But he had a great time out there, and he ate a lot of tacos too. So you know, Will likes that. He he loves he loves uh, to 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 eat, and and I saw a guy that just enjoying and just taking everything in and. Just part of the culture, being from from Mexico myself, and him having Hispanic uh, roots, deep roots from Mexico City, he's gonna play. Watch Will Hernandez come out that day on the at Monday night game because it's gonna be something special. Playing for his country. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you said the flag, the first thing I think of is Robert Griffith coming Robert out Griffith. coming out of the tunnel with the flag. That that was a, a big big deal when it came to. Finally playing in Mexico. They've been talking about that run, that flag coming out for the past 18 years. It was that important to yep. the country from for an NFL player to grab that flag from the Cardinals and just run out. The place just bursted into a chant, and the Cardinals automatically, yes, the Niners had more fan base back then, but from that gestures from Robert, that really put you know the Cardinals on the map. I think you know we have to do it again. You've mentioned the draft a couple of times, and we'll get you out with this, but talk to me about your thoughts on the eight draft picks and two offensive linemen, two offensive guards, as far as how much you think this draft helped the Cardinals going into this season and then seasons down the road as well. I like it. You know, we talk about McBride, uh, a tight end from Colorado State. I like – I've already – I scouted the guy last year because I got to cover a little bit of college uh, football – and, and, you know, he's a re- really good compliment. I think he'll eventually transition into what we have now, Zach Ertz, the big big frame tight ends. He has it all, man. But that, that six-round, uh, uh, Lakitus Smith, the guard from Virginia Tech, I like the kid. I think he's going to be, you know, a, a piece to kind of come in there and compete from the get-go. He's played a lot of games in, in college, and I think he's going to be a, a great asset. we got to understand this that I think four or five of you mentioned it on one of the podcasts because I, I listen to you oh, guys. Appreciate that. Yeah, I listen. I, I do that download for you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, under contracts, guys are coming out. You know, we have a veteran offensive line, right? And, and you have to make sure that these guys that you pick in the draft develop at some point. And that's what you want to see. I think I think this is going to be a different year for the Cardinals. And there's veteran presence on that offensive line who are rock solid. When I love the addition of, of Willard is coming in and competing real quick with Josh Jones, and I think this is going to be a, a year for, for our draft, uh, our draftees to kind of come up onto the scene and really take a, 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 a role, a big role in, in the rotation. I'll tell you this, though. I mean, you know, Josh Jones, he had 40 starts at the University of Houston at left tackle. Um, he's I, I mentioned it on the Red Sea Report. He's kind of light in the pants, so yep. he, maybe he can be your your, your backup tackle to Beecham. Justin Murray can play four different positions, but when I look at Smith and Hayes uh, from Virginia Tech and Oklahoma, I mean, these guys are 314, 318, and they have an anchor. They do. And they got the belly in the front. They look like an offensive lineman. A belly's good. A belly's good. Check out uh, Ronnie Hudson. Ronnie Hudson has got the 
the premier body for an offensive lineman in the NFL. This guy does his job, right? And you're right. I think Hayes from Oklahoma, there's that connection as well with Kyler, right? And you always want to root for your guys coming up. You're like, my baby brother, come on, get up, push him up. And I think those guys, I mean, Hayes is, is 6'5", 318, 320, I think. This guy is, looks solid, and I think he can compete. And, and once you learn from the Beachums and, and the Justin Pews and, and, and DJ Humphreys, who are guys that I've, I've seen, you know, mingle with the guys that are behind them, these guys care about who's behind them. They, they they bring them up. It's not like, okay, you know, I'll do my job and I won't try and share information or, or put you in a good spot. These guys are are, are, are teachers all, as well, right? So I think they'll develop into a good good chemistry there with that offensive line group. And considering Pew's a free agent, um, Will's on a one-year deal, yep. hoping to parlay that to a long-term deal. The only guy who's really under contract through next year is Rodney Hudson. Now, obviously, Hump's the perfect age to extend – Beecham's got a lot of outside interest. He does love playing football. It's kind of an outlet for him. So plug and play. And, again, you don't have to go out there and spend big money on free agents now if these guys pan out at the guard spot. Oh, we'll know soon, right? You know, rookie camp's coming up. I think that's the first time where you really gauge, you know, from a, from a coach standpoint, from Kugler. I, I'm, You know, once you take them under your wing and you see them personally, how they react, how their footwork is, and, yes, you've scouted them. You scouted them before, and, and you've seen the game tape, and you know what they can do on the field. But if if a guy can come in on a rookie deal on for his first, you know, uh, session with his old line coach and really wow them, because I've seen it before, it's like okay, there's confidence there. Let me give this guy the reps. Let me give him what he needs in order for him to develop. Because that's that's cutthroat in the NFL, guys. They're, the development part only lasts a little bit in the NFL. And if you latch on to that, and they give you the confidence, and they build you up you're going to be able to make it in the NFL. I think these two guys have, have that shot. Rolando, it is always a pleasure. We appreciate the time. And, uh, well, you know, we've got uh, – we've, we've always got John Speeddell, so we appreciate it. Well, thank you, guys. You know, I'm here. Um, we had a good lunch today, so I'm, I'm ready to go for the week. Again, the Cardinals will be playing the 49ers on Monday Night Football. November 21st is the date. And as we discussed, wonder if we see Will Hernandez pull a Robert Griffith and run out during pregame introductions carrying the Mexican flag. It's what happened in 2005. Here's a clip from Season 1 of Cardinals Folktales titled One Time in Mexico. What a great scene, Robert Griffith with the Mexican national flag waving it and racing out of the field. That was awesome. Robert bursting out of that tunnel with that flag. I think it just ignited the whole place up. It was a, it was a brilliant move, to be honest with you. I think the fans saw this as the first impression of the Arizona Cards. All of a sudden, Robert Griffith comes right out of that hat, waving the Mexican flag. That really was a great touch here. Oh, the crowd went crazy. It was loud. It was so loud. That place was unbelievably loud. I go out with the flag, and I just felt 10 feet tall, man. Like, I felt like every step I was taking was just magnetized. Once he ran out, that was kind of like, you know what? Mexico, the Cardinals are here. Los Cardenales han llegado. And for me, it was like, okay, this is going to work out tremendously because of the pride the fans in Mexico take once they see their, their country's colors, right? And especially the flag. Should be a lot of fun. Not expecting either one of us, MJ, to be making that trip, which is perfectly acceptable. We do not travel. But, again, I do think there are going to be a lot of players, i.e. Will Hernandez, that are going to be excited about playing in Mexico City. And as Rolando mentioned, all the specialists, well, at least Matt Prater and Andy Lee because of the altitude and then all of a sudden, hey, maybe Matt Prater, does he try a 60-plus yarder, a 65-plus yarder? He's going to get a lot of questions about that leading into the game. Well, we know that the last time they played there in 2005, uh, Neil Rackers, he racked up six field goals. And then you mentioned Andy Lee, who was actually on the San Francisco 49ers, and he was averaging 47 yards uh, on seven punts. So I'm thinking, you know, obviously Kingsbury's going to want to score points. I mean, it's not – you're not going there, you know, to, to give a game away. But if there's a situation, I would like to see it, maybe a 65-70 yarder. And, and the altitude is higher than Denver. It's higher than Flagstaff. And they're going to have to make an adjustment to there. And, you know, let's be honest. I mean, I, I, th I believe everyone's going to be off on Monday based on their holiday the day before. 
talking about uh, Mexico City. And so people can have plenty of time, and I'm assuming a lot of Cardinal fans. Now, Rolando mentioned, and he was there, so he would know. He thought there were more Niners fans at that at that game, even though the Cardinals did win the game. Uh, Josh McCown had a couple of touchdown passes, one to Larry and then Anquan. But it, it to me, it, I think it's a great opportunity. The Cardinals have nine home games this year, so for the season ticket holders, you still have your eight games. You're going to get a preseason game. And this game should have been played in 2019. And so, and to me, Craig, uh, you know, the Cardinals have played in London. They played in Mexico. This will be their second opportunity. Um, we're going to get into some of the other games that have been announced and how it affects the schedule going forward. But I'm glad they don't have to make that trip to London or Germany. Is that what we're playing? Yeah. Okay. Because usually, and you, we talked about this before the show, you would, you're right, you would have to play an East Coast game or like the Rams, they play Jacksonville, and then they flew right to London. Sometimes you can play in the East Coast, maybe the Giants or Jets, and then go from JFK to London. This is a three-and-a-half-hour flight. So I think the Cardinals are benefiting from this. And plus, this is where the local fan base is able to go. Now, get your passport. <laughs> that is true. And you've got plenty of time. Again, it is November 21st, Monday night football. The rest of the National Football League schedule for the upcoming season will come out on May 12th. Now, there are going to be some select games that get announced the week of May 9th. And then, according to the NFL, clubs are allowed to announce their first home game opponent. Not necessarily their week one opponent. Their first home game opponent on Thursday afternoon, a couple hours ahead of when the entire schedule gets released. So this slow build, if you will, (laughs) slow burn that the National Football League has done now with the schedule as opposed to just everything happening in one day in which they dominate the new cycle for 24, 48 hours. Now all of a sudden they've got it for weeks trying to build up and keep the NFL and that logo top of mind. I feel like they're, they're just putting crumbs out there for us. Crumbs and then you keep going for more and then you see the cookie. Um, I think it's important though when you come to these international games, you have to allow people to start making their travel. And we know that obviously you don't have to wear a mask anymore so that, you know they've opened things up. So I, I think that's part of it. And teams are aware that, you know, um, you know they've been prepared for this, um, whether it was Cardinals were playing somebody else. It could have been, you know, another team. Uh, I'm glad it's that because um, we still get a great home schedule with the Buccaneers and Chiefs and Chargers, and obviously we'll, we'll get a chance to, uh, I guess, so are they going to San Francisco then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so the home and home gotcha. or is now – Mexico City and okay. Levi's Stadium. Right. So uh, I'm glad they, they didn't give up one of those home games because to me that's a really appealing. And we talked about it. The Cardinals could have a better um, team, but they may have the same record because of how daunting it is. And we'll have plenty of time. To, but you're right. Um, it's fascinating because usually it's after the draft, but we had so much movement in free agency this year with the quarterbacks. I mean, Russell Wilson, obviously went that, that Seattle game is going to be on prime time. Um, you know, Matt Ryan, and just I mean, it's going to be interesting how, how the schedule makers get cute. And the guy does a great job. And so it's, it's always interesting because you think, you know, we know the opponents, we just don't know how it's going to be. And we always talk about, hey, it's easy to sit here and go, they're, they're going to win this game, lose this game. We don't even know who the quarterbacks would be starting you know, in week 12. Yeah, trying to figure out your win-loss record in May is much different <laughs> when you have no idea how the team is going to look that particular week. But to your point, yeah, you'd like to see the 49ers at State Farm Stadium, but as a division opponent, you play them twice a year. You play them every year at home, but you do not lose – Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. You do not lose the Saints. You do not lose Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Justin Herbert and the Chargers, Jalen Hurt and the Eagles, or Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Those are your other matchups, your other six matchups at Levi Stadium. Again, out of conference, I mean, excuse me, out of division games. So certainly a great home schedule for Yeah, fans. because uh, when when uh, you actually did a nice job detailing which markets uh, were, were you know, uh, picked because you had to put a bid in, and the Chiefs were in that conversation. Correct. Like, no. And the Rams were as well. The Rams were as well. I'm like, no, I want to get the Chiefs at, at State Farm Stadium. So, and again, it's just more being selfish. Like, I just, I, I think the fans want to go see Patrick Mahomes, and hopefully the Cardinals can win that game. 
All right, here is the rest of the international schedule. Five total games have been announced, and obviously Cardinals and 49ers in Mexico City. Germany, Seahawks, and Buccaneers. There will be three games in London. Vikings play the Saints. The Giants take on the Packers. Green Bay's first ever game outside the United States, at least regular season-wise. And then the Broncos play the Jaguars. You look at all of that, and you see Seahawks, Buccaneers, Saints, and Vikings, four teams that are on the Cardinals' schedule that now all of a sudden, all right, when do the Seahawks go to Germany? Do the Cardinals get them on the front end or the back end? <laughs> Buccaneers, you're going to maybe tired you know, after going to Germany? So, uh, again, much like we do, we try to pick apart the schedule. May 12th is when it's announced. But you look at those four opponents that yeah. the Cardinals will play, that they are on the schedule, uh, you throw in the Broncos as well. because But that's an away game now. So five teams. And, all, and also, I mean, I know they're not including here, but you also got to go to Vegas, right? Yes. Okay, so Tom Brady has fared well internationally. The Bucks beat uh, uh, the Bucks in, in London in 2009. He threw three touchdown passes. Patriots won 35-7. Beat the Rams in London 2012, throwing four touchdowns. The Patriots won 45-7. Beat the Raiders in Mexico City in 2017, throwing three touchdowns, 38-8. So now Brady's going to be in Germany, and you know it's going to be like a riot. All the celebrities are coming out for that game. I mean, you know, I don't know about David Beckham. I mean, you're going to see all the celebrities to see Tom Brady in Germany. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how many more games the league tries to put internationally, whether it's more games in London, more games in Germany. Do they expand to other markets? Everyone wants a piece. I know Australia has been mentioned, but that's, you know, they got some logistics there with travel. Spain. Other places in Europe, Mexico City, obviously, North America, but you got five games, and I do think that they would like to get to the point where maybe 16 teams, half the league, have a game internationally. I agree. And so the Cardinals, um, again, this game was supposed to be played in 2019, so they can check that box, and you know now we'll find out when they get in the rotation. And they've already been in London, so I wonder – you know, depending on the bids go in, but I I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, it's, it seems like, and this is the first time the Green Bay Packers are playing in any game outside the United States. I think they had a preseason game in Canada. Remember, the, the field was terrible. But because of their, now they have nine home games just like the Cardinals. So normally because they're, you know, publicly owned, they didn't want to ever give up a home game. But now... Because of nine, this is the first time they'll ever play outside the uh, U.S. And I know logistically for coaches, players, staff, it becomes, I wouldn't say bothersome, but it does become a little bit extra prep needed. But for teams, when you're talking about ownership, front office, marketing, getting into a brand new market, not within the U.S., but to expand that brand and get your logo in front of people that maybe somewhat are interested in the game that we call football that everywhere else in the world is soccer because that's what they call football. But I would think more and more teams would like to be able to expand to other markets and expand their reach across the entire world. Well, if you go back to the Cardinals now, let's not talk about the game because Carson Palmer got hurt and technically I think they got shut out, but the, the team got there on a Monday and we know the British bird gang and, they had festivity, uh, festivities, and you know they did. We were able to do the big red rage in front of the crowd. It was just, it was interesting to see just you know how they treat football. And normally, when you see these games on television, you, you can almost guarantee you're going to see every single jersey because they all. And and I got to think fantasy now is it's it's global. I mean, I don't know how much the gambling effect is, but we know that obviously it's legal now. So. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's smart. I mean, the NBA used to do this. Um, the fact you can't do – I mean, you still want to make sure you're, you're, you're soil in the United States, but there's ways you can work this out and make sure each team is on a rotation so nobody's saying, I've been there, you know, the last three years and i got to go back next year. 
10 of the 32 teams will play an international game in 2022, including the Cardinals. Again, mark it down on your schedule. Week 11, November 21st. It's a Monday night. Monday night football, 6-15 kickoff in Arizona, Cardinals and Niners. And that's going to be the new Monday night crew, correct? Absolutely. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. So you know at least one primetime game for the Cardinals. Do we expect another one, whether that's a Monday night game, whether that's a Sunday night game? I don't count... Okay, technically, yes, Thursday night counts. But everyone plays on Thursday night, so it's not, I wouldn't say as special because prime time, to me, it's you know reserved for a select few teams. When everyone does it, it's like playing on Sunday. Thursday is the new Sunday. Everyone plays on Thursday. Everyone plays on Sunday. Uh, okay, let's go back to last year. So I, I've mentioned this in the past. So when the networks announced their um, broadcasting crews, they they basically give assignments for the first four weeks of the season, okay, and that's so the Cardinals they would have you know maybe the the last crew on CBS or Fox and and I know a lot of people like Gus Johnson and uh, Akeem Talib. I mean it's a different uh, you know it's it's entertaining from a player's perspective. So the the NFL didn't think the Cardinals just based on given the crews because you know if you're playing on Monday Night Football it's different so. If I gave you the over and under, now we know one, three and a half, what would you say? Under. Me too. I do think we're going to get a primetime game based on Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, possibly Dak Prescott, even Belichick, I th- and we may get that early in the season. Well, you throw in the Raiders, Derek Carr, Devontae yeah. Adams, yeah. Russell Wilson with Chandler the Jones. Yeah. I could see Buccaneers, Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders. And it used to be the, the limit was five. Now it's seven. Like Tom Brady and the Rams, they're probably going to be on seven times, six or seven times. flexed time. in late in the yes. season or flexed yes. out. So, yeah. But I, I hope the Cardinals get a, a primetime game at home maybe in the first, well, maybe I should say after week seven. <laughs> yeah. Good point. I like you. I like that Niagara Falls mass. So wait a second. Season really starts in week seven because, uh, oh, yeah, we got a midseason acquisition with DeAndre Hopkins. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. I neglected to pay off a tease in our last episode, MJ. Shame so I on apologize you. to the Bird Gang, but I had mentioned that there was a roster move and not a large roster move, but certainly – part of the depth and special teams. But Charles Washington is back, re-signing on a one-year deal. Sixth safety on the board, but more importantly, one of those players that Jeff Rogers really likes as far as special teams. Now, Washington only played seven games last season due to a hamstring injury, but he does provide some depth in the secondary if needed. But otherwise, he is one of those players on the board that you can look at and say, all right, special teams player, special teams ace. You know what you've got in Charles Washington. And I thought maybe the Cardinals, um, you know, I was hearing that possibly they can look at a safety in the draft, but obviously they focused on on the D-line, a cornerback, and an edge pass rusher when it came to, you know, day three. So then the very next day they signed Charles Washington. So, you know, we know about Jalen Thompson and, and Buda Baker and, and, and James Wiggins – is really more of a special teams player. So if he's depth there, he's going to he's be active. He's kind of a younger Charles Washington. So, and then you got Deontay Thompson, and and they're going to bring in some uh, some free agents here. We'll get into that list here momentarily. But I do think day after the draft, you could tell that they couldn't. It only had eight picks, but I thought safety. But the fact is, you, now you get a veteran guy who knows the system, knows his role, and as you pointed out. He's one of the guys that Jeff Rogers IDs as a special teams core. And once again, as we look at this offseason, 20 roster moves plus one trade, but 20 roster moves, 14 now have been about retaining players from last season, including 11 unrestricted free agents, and the 11th being Charles Washington, the known versus the unknown. And and again, not to beat a dead horse, but – this team was seven and zero and ten and two, and I know people are going to say, "Well, it didn't it didn't finish well." That's obvious. But again, I'm a big fan of guys going into their second year. J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, Zach Ertz, James Conner. Uh, you're going to see a difference. And now you add a guy like Hollywood Hollywood Brown, and then you add a big tight end and Trey McBride um, and a running back. 
I, I like this offense. I mean, I got to think around the league, you know, depending on, you know, how how much they can overcome this and hop. I, I think this can be a top seven offense in the NFL. And, again, it's really about winning games. It's not about, you know, style points. They were top eight last year as far as yards per game, 11th in scoring. So, And that's because they fell off a cliff. I'd like – no pun intended <laughs> – I'd like, as far as top 10, I'd much rather be top 10 in scoring versus top 10 in yards. Yes. Great. You can move the ball up and down the field. Are you getting the ball into the end zone? Yes. And, that, and, 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 and again, Connor, you got to give him credit, 15 rushing touchdowns, you know, and he had 18 as a, as a, as a whole. But there's so many – they've got so many weapons on, on the red zone, and it's just, you know, you got to protect Kyler Murray and, you know, don't get cute and just try to win the, at the line of scrimmage. Be physical. All right, you brought it up. The undrafted free agent list is out. The Cardinals signed 12, six on offense, six on defense, and a couple that we want to highlight here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Full list up on azcardinals.com. But interesting that, one, not a single offensive lineman was signed, so they like who they already have. But four, (laughs) count them, four wide receivers Sign Now, is this because they liked who was out there and available, or is it because you're missing DeAndre Hopkins the first third of the season? I think it's safe to say the Cardinals do like Greg Dorch. Uh, clearly, uh, you know, Antoine Wesley's a guy that maybe is probably the fourth or fifth receiver. Um, and then you throw in uh, Bocelli. And I don't know about Andy Isabella. I mean, it's I don't know if the writing's on the wall, but we'll see what happens. But, yeah, the the, the guy that I I was told that, you know, maybe, he, he, again, they are bringing guys in because they want to improve the back of the roster. So you look at this Tennessee wide receiver, Javante Payton, 6 feet, 175, played last year with the Volunteers, had 18 receptions for 413 yards, six touchdowns in 11 games. Now, he's also a special teams player. So he's he's he um he returned kickoffs, average about twenty per uh, kickoff there. So that's how you get on the roster. Now again, they're going to have their options. Uh, I don't know how would Hollywood Brown would do it, considering he's going to play the majority of the snaps. Um, Eno Benjamin may be squeezed based on him being active on game day. So it's going to be interesting. Um, and they and, and they also you know when you look at the roster, I think because they drafted. Just two linemen on the on the second day. That probably said, "What are they at right now? 16 on the roster." Correct. Yeah, and usually you go to camp with 15, and you know, obviously, some guys will get some days off. When you mention Peyton, think of Trent Sherfield, Jerron Brown, as okay. far as not comps, but wide receivers designated position. But Sherfield and Brown, how do they make the roster as an undrafted rookie free agent? How do they make the roster initially? They made the roster on special teams and then find a way to get on offense. Jerron Brown made the team in 2013, Trent Sherfield in 2018. So this is something we've seen pretty regularly with the Cardinals. In eight of the last ten years, the Cardinals have had at least one undrafted free agent make the week one roster. Did not happen last year, but I mentioned Sherfield. That was 2018. That year you had Ezekiel Turner. Diedrich Nichols, and Dennis Gardick. Turner's still here. Gardick just signed a three-year contract. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that one of these 12 players could pop and all of a sudden catch the eye of Jeff Rogers. And I say Jeff Rogers as a special teams coordinator, assistant head coach. He's the one that's going to be looking at this list. Not that Sean Jefferson wouldn't look at the wide receivers, but how is a Javante Payton going to make the week one roster? You know, he's... (laughs) I don't think he's going to be it out an Antoine Wesley or a Greg Dortch, but could he be active anyway because of his ability to play on special teams, to your point, returning kicks, or being a gunner on the outside? That's how you're going to get on the field if you're a backup. And, you know, quite frankly, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, you know, uh, we get to training camp. We'll see uh, clearly if these guys stick. Um, and there's two cut-down dates, so we'll figure it out. But – you got to think they're going to get some opportunities in the preseason. And the worst case scenario is, Craig, you put them on the practice squad. You, you develop them. You, you know, the old stash them for a year and develop them. You know, Hop's going to be 30. You know, um, obviously you got uh, Hollywood Brown under contract for the next few years. You got Rondell Moore, uh, Antoine Wesley's under contract. So, I mean, again, 
not to say these like, – I'm glad you mentioned those names, and two of the three guys are still here, so it's possible. But a lot of times, you know, maybe they're just raw. And they, you know, maybe they weren't coached up, and you get into a certain system and you get coached up in this league, and, and all of a sudden, you, you know, you're eating better. You're just – it's just more – you have a place to come every day, and that that's how you get better, reps. So it wouldn't surprise me if some, some of these guys land on the practice squad. Well, you know it's a long season. One other player to highlight of the three defensive linemen, only one – defensive tackle at least who played defensive tackle in college and that is LaRon Stokes out of Oklahoma 6'4 278 an academic all Big Ten first team honor last season 11 games eight tackles one and a half tackles for loss one quarterback Curry you look at that defensive line room with 10 including Stokes but as far as who plays inside Rashard Lawrence lucky food to do you move J.J. Watt inside a little bit but that big body that can help stop the run, and that's why I single out LaRon Stokes as, for, as, as a potential player just based off position of need. Now he's got to go out and figure it out, whether that's rookie minicamp, OTA's minicamp, and in training camp. But just for my own personal look at this roster as far as, all right, what's a position that maybe might be more open to adding one of these undrafted free agents, and I look at defensive tackle. And they're also bringing in one a guy from Colorado State, defensive lineman Manny Jones, 6'4", 290, finished his career with 181 tackles, 85 solo, 13 and a half sacks, 30, 33 tackle for losses. Um, again, flood the position. Um, but I do still think that they could bring in a veteran defensive lineman. You know, we'll just have to wait and see with Corey Peters. Obviously, he's had a great career. We'll just see what I mean, last year he came in the, the day of, of camp coming off the ACL. I haven't heard anything there. But I do think they want to get younger, uh, considering you got J.J. Watt, you know, who's obviously, you know, uh, you know, in football years he's getting older. So I think they want to get younger. And that's – that's. I mean, Lucky and Rashad Lawrence are not going to ever fill up the stat sheet, but they have to win these one-on-one matches. If you want those linebackers to come in and scrape and make tackles at the line of scrimmage, not five yards down. We haven't really talked about Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons a lot this offseason. Maybe it's just because of the draft, but that's going to be – a big part of what this defense is going to do week in and week out. And maybe they become more of a spotlight next week when the rookie minicamp is here. Do those players, i.e. Collins, maybe more so than Simmons, but does he get that invite or say, you know what, I want to be a part of that weekend for more reps? Because so. you know what? you got three pass rushers they drafted. And I don't know if they'll add to that position. I don't know who he – I mean, we haven't, we haven't really talked about every single guy. Uh, they claimed a guy, correct? Rondell Carter. And and what I'm hearing, he's in the mix. I just don't know a lot about him. I want to see him in uniform. You can tell. I mean, uh, you know, obviously you just wait to th- see how things play out. But they got a they got a nice little um, besides Golden and Kennard, they got a nice little mixture right there. Will come to youth and experience. So the roster right now is set. We'll see what kind of changes are made. But the next step outside of the schedule, but as far as football activity, is the rookie minicamp coming up May 13th, 14th, and 15th, something we'll keep an eye on as well. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.